0: hey everybody matt michaels here on the defalco files with the owner and creator of fsw the future stars of wrestling here in las vegas mr joe defalco joe uh we're recording this friday morning and uh, friday evening uh you're gonna have a couple matches going on at the dollar loan center we were just kind of talking and uh first uh how was the setup how did everything go uh yesterday
1: well to be honest with you i'm a little pissed off you know omar He's a big wrestling fan. He's the guy who got us in. Brian, he's actually somehow through cousins related to Chris Bay, big wrestling fan. He actually buys tickets to our shows and stuff. And I'm walking. I'm like, could somebody give me a basketball? I just want to shoot a couple of three-pointers. And they're all looking around like, like, I don't know if they think I'm kidding because I'm not kidding. But it's like, do you guys think I'm going to break your court or something? Like, give me a ball. Like, there was was a team that – they were playing the team from Mexico. So that's why I was the the heritage night is, is right. going tonight. So they have the whole rack of ball, everybody's shooting, you know, I'm respectful. I'm not going near the court when these guys are practicing. So they're leaving. We're all the only ones pretty much in the building. And it's like the balls get taken away and get like hidden in some secret vault or something. It's like, no offense. It's minor league basketball. You know, I think we'll be okay. If, if there's one ball that ends up missing because I somehow shot it and landed on the roof or something. It's like, dude, give me the ball. Like I have to like get picked for the halftime, like, you know, $500 shot. Any practice. I haven't shot a basketball. And I said, when I played basketball growing up, the one thing I could do was shoot. You know, I didn't play defense. I was slow, out of shape pretty much my whole life, you know, but sure. like with football, I could throw a ball and I could catch a ball. Now, I wasn't the fastest guy, for sure. And in baseball, I can hit a ball great. And in basketball, like, I can shoot a three-pointer. Like, this is a real court. Like, just give me a call. It's like, do I got to knock, like, $250 off what you're paying us? Because you're not paying us very much. Like, you know, I wanted to get my foot in the door. So we're not really making any money out of the deal. It's getting in. It's covering some costs. And it's like, man, I don't know why they're so such a possession. And you know, it's not like it's the hockey game, and I'm trying to go on my, with my shoes, and I'm bringing a hockey stick and I'm shooting the goal. It's like a basketball. Like I might have to bring my own basketball tonight, to
0: be honest with you. Oh man, uh, that's uh, that's actually one of the funnier things that i've never ever thought about right like whoever thinks about something like that why would they <laughs> i don't know man why would they protect the uh, uh yeah well uh I, maybe it's it's the reputation of you uh being a, a big baller in new york uh Back in the, uh, the you know,
1: 80s. I am from New York, so you know it's it's home of the you know the street ball and stuff. Yeah. When I used to play with Doctor J back in the day,
0: yeah, yeah, those uh, those famous pickup games uh, in uh, nineteen seventy eight. Parker yeah, Park,
1: I think it was called.
0: <laughs> uh, so you know, you said it. It's it's uh, Heritage Night. Um, You guys are doing, uh, what is it, a pre-show and then a halftime match, right?
1: Yeah, we're doing a a pre-show match uh, featuring the tag team of American Pegasus and Sphinx. Uh, You do know them from the FSW roster, but I cannot relay their aliases of who they are. You'll probably know exactly who they are the minute you see them. Uh, They'll be taking on another... FSW roster guy who uh, also owns his own company in town who will be going back to his first luchador gimmick because you know, being Mexican heritage night, we're trying to get, you know, some guys with masks. So I'm yeah. still one guy short. So if you got a lucha mask, Matt, you might be, uh, may, might be able to make, uh, you know, it could be your, you could have be like Goldberg and have your retirement match tonight at the dollar loan center.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind just standing on the apron and letting. Uh, yeah, you, know, you never
1: have to make the tag in. I always wanted like, to do that, like I have a tag team match, and one team gets decimated in like a minute, and the same guy gets beat up the whole minute, and the other guy never gets to be tagged. I always <laughs> thought that would be fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially with uh, with <clears throat> the the worker who you're talking about uh, being such a good worker. I mean. Man, that would be an easy night right there.
1: Yeah, and then we're doing uh, – they wanted to do a six-person tag, but I convinced them otherwise because we have only, like, a, a total of 10 minutes. So, say, seven- or eight-minute match. And to do a six-person tag with Bodie and Matt and Damian Drake and and, and what we're trying – they wanted to get Brittany Brooks. And it's like, so everybody's going to be in the match for two minutes. Right. So I convinced him to do the Joe DeFalco favorite. We're going to do a four-way scramble match. <laughs> Everybody's in the match the whole time. They can do all the cool shit, you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, that it's like fun and exciting.
0: Um, is, is the four-way those four?
1: Well, I only named, no. know. Uh, Brittany was unable to make it. So uh, RBJ, you know, okay. I kind of figured, you know what? We're going to wait and see. And we had a good turnout yesterday. And it was like, well, let me see which one of the younger guys, because we needed two. And Fox was there, but he was unavailable tonight. So RBJ was there. And and again, you know, I'm trying to reward the people that are ready. You know, I was hoping for somebody higher higher up the food chain was around, but they weren't. So it's like, okay, as usual, I'm trying to reward the people who – do things that they technically don't have to do, you know? Oh, I got to work. Oh, I got to do this. You know, we canceled class. So, you know, we had 25 people eligible, <coughs> you know, 11 showed up. So, you know, it's disappointing that there was a lot of students who show up every Thursday for Cody's class at five o'clock, but they could drive 10 minutes to the Dollar Loan Center to help out. For the same time as class so so as usual you know you, you you see who really wants it and who's willing to do the the extra work needed to be there so again turnout was good but it could have been a little better you know it was way better at tna but you know everybody got to be around the the tna folk so you know and Maybe you don't want to look bad in front of Chris Bay who also helps train you guys and tries to take you over and give you opportunities so
0: sure no yeah, it's it's true um, you know you, you mentioned that RBj who I know uh, he took part in the uh, the seminar um, I've heard just wonderful things about um, speedballs, uh, Mike Bailey's, uh, seminar and just him in general, um, uh, and the way he, you know, interacts with, with the, the, uh, the students who, you know, sometimes you have, um, you have these guys who they do these seminars, but aren't really into it. And, um, I, I think that everyone who attended that, which was a good turnout, um, probably got one of the better, um, you know, uh, seminars, uh, that they could have asked for, uh, does it, does it make you happy when you see a guy like that giving, I mean, literally giving to, you know, these, these younger, uh, students, uh, you know, or, or guys who've been around who like to, uh, to go to these seminars and, and get a little more knowledge.
1: Well, I, Flashing back, you know, last couple of years and things like that, we, you know, we had some really big names and the this, the, the turnouts were disappointing, okay. say the least. It's like, you know, he may have had issues years ago. He may have had issues more recently. But when you have a Davey Richards seminar and at that point, you know, he's doing good things. He's in TNA. He's all over the place, you know, making shows having a great match in FSW against Jacob Austin young and, and and being in a four way and and being in numerous matches for us and have a seminar and like seven people show up and of the seven people who show up, Cody, who's one of our trainers is one of them, you know, and the other six are students who've probably been training for less than three months. And it's like, here's one of the best wrestlers in the world undersized, we have a lot of those no limits division guys, and literally nobody from that group got took the seminar. You know, we did one years ago with TJ Perkins with a different crew, and there's five people there, and Lance Hoyt, nobody's there. Like, hey, we got big guys. Where, where, where's Hero? Where's Shogun? Like, not taking advantage of this. And the one good thing I could say about the younger students that we've had. As we've seen, they've progressed pretty quickly and future shots now filled with these with these younger kids that are on the show that we had we had basically 19 or 20 people for the Mike Bailey seminar. And again, the majority of those guys and girls was the younger crew. Mondo was there and Robbie was there and Bodie was there and, and Gregory Sharp helped facilitate it. But there was a lot of guys that are on the main roster that maybe you don't think you're going to get knowledge from Mike Bailey, but again, it's making those connections, right? He sees you in the ring. He likes what you do next time TNA comes out. Maybe there's a spot available you know, I talked to Hammerstone. How did Hammerstone get on the show? It wasn't Scott Theamore. He hit up Josh Alexander at a show that they were on. Like, hey, you got Scott's number, blah, blah, blah. You know, I want to see what's up. He said he messaged Scott, hadn't heard back. And of all people, Josh is the one who hit him back because he hit up Scott about getting Hammer on the show. And the greedy bastard that Josh Alexander was not only did he get hammer signed uh, for the match, but he, he got the match with him. Yeah. yeah. So it was a win-win for Josh Alexander. You know, he's yeah. wrestling Osprey the next day. He doesn't have to have a big match with Hammerstone the day before, but that's what the camaraderie of the wrestling business is about. People like you, you make friends, you go on the road trips, they decide to use you because of this guy. And, and that's how it all works. And it's making those friendships over time that somehow could benefit you, yeah. you know, yeah. and sometimes it's missed out on that. Or, hey, I don't got 40 bucks. I don't got 50 bucks. And I've always tried to say to people, hey, if you don't got the 50 bucks. Give it to me next week. Give it to me the week after. You know, I'll cover a couple of you. You know, I'm obviously not going to cover all 20 guys. I got to pay Mike Bailey the money. But if two or three of you, hey, I can only give you 20 today, Joe. Or, you know, one of the guys, you know, paid his dues. He was like, hey, I can pay you Wednesday, which was yesterday or the other day before. And he sent the money like he said he would with his monthly dues and all good. And he got to participate. We never want to stop somebody from participating because his sure. money's a little tight. Okay, get it to me over a couple of weeks. Split it up between your dues, whatever it is. It's like, take advantage. You're always going to learn. And, you know, from what I hear, everybody, you know, put over the seminar. And in most cases, they do. Even Akira, who <clears throat> that was really the turnaround for me, like, if he wasn't TJP's partner, I would rarely, barely even know who he was, to be honest sure. with you. And I know a lot of wrestling, but his wrestling, you know, he's from Spain and Italy and wrestled in Japan. So I, I'm sorry I can't keep up with everybody. But right. I knew the tag team champions, but I didn't really know anything of him. I was like, holy shit, he's only like 24, 25 years old. Like, right. he's been doing it for seven, eight years. He's like TJ. He was a young prodigy type thing. Yeah. And the turnout for that was really good and I was like, wow. Here's a guy that most people I don't think heard of and it was like, you know, okay, Booker T was here and and Booker T's different. You know, he can teach you the WWE way and and you know, true legend, but people flew in from Minnesota, people flew in from Colorado and Florida to come to his seminar which was like mind boggling. We had like 50 people for yep. Booker B seminar and his was more than $50. I, believe. I remember the 60 or whatever it was, you know, but it was like, you know, you're always going to learn. People didn't like the original Raven seminar. Oh, well, we didn't do anything in the ring. It's like, well, Raven's strong suit isn't watching you do a fucking hip toss. Raven is going to be talking to you and different inner workings of the business and you take that and some people didn't like shelton benjamins i remember and it was like you know i remember roderick strong and it was like a whole bunch of squats (sighs) half the time you know because he was straight he went to japan and he was basically giving people a rundown of what it's like and some people You can look at it any way you want. Oh, yeah, it was a shortcut. It's like he's putting in his three hours. It isn't like he's bumping all over the place, and that's why he made you just do squats. Like, in this world, everybody has to have a reason for why somebody did something that you thought wasn't necessary. Right. Instead of shut the fuck up as a younger student when somebody of a higher end comes in to teach you something. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to get through sometimes. Some guys feel like, oh, okay, I'm good enough. I I don't need to do it. Just like at the ring crew, you know, yesterday, Damian Drake was there. Ricky Tenacious was there. Mondo and Robbie. Now, those guys didn't have to be there. They're kind of higher up on the food chain of being around forever. But they were aware that Joe is giving them an opportunity to perform there tonight. So, Hey, well, you know, we're available. We're going to help out, you know? And, and that's the way it is. It's like, the more I see you, the more I think you're there, <laughs> you know, a couple of guys, you know, I saw him at TNA, saw him at the, uh, one of the younger guys. I saw him at the seminar, send me the money for the seminar. But I've also got three messages like, you owe your dues from two weeks ago, bro. And that keeps getting ignored. And that, that irritates me. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully we have fun today. You know, it's the G League game. It ain't going to be like a packed house at Dollar Loan Center. But if there's 800 or 1,000 people there, there there's now 1,000 people who probably were not aware or barely kind of knew of FSW. Right. Hey, we got flyers to hand out to everybody. Hey, one has about our training facility. That also includes the kids' class. Well, hopefully, there's some kids at the game. You know, sure. kids love wrestling. So they're going to watch it. Here's a flyer. You, you know, yep. we're getting in there, we're making a few bucks. We're, we're getting some exposure. And, and any exposure is helpful. Yep. You know, just like the G league needs exposure. Like, Hey, we got the link, you know, they're, they're struggling. They're a minor league team. You know, you're not going to get 10,000 people to go to a minor league basketball game. Like the nighthawks do pretty well, but it's, you know, 1500, 2000. And they, and Omar, he's kind of the guy who's in charge of that, but they have to get the corporate sponsorships and they got to get the, the the charity groups and the, the youth programs to come to the game, you know, and get five or ten dollars a ticket because we know these guys are doing it for the passion. G League is a little different. It's it's kind of like a developmental minor league. The way it works now is you can't go straight from high school to the pros. You got to play one year in college, or you can go to like the G League and you play. Or European players they don't want to go have to go to college. They want to go to the draft, but they're not ready yet at eighteen. So they play a year where they're getting. A salary. They want to play basketball and make money. They don't want to go to fucking math class. So, you know, and the one thing about this town is they support minor league sports. You know, the the aviators do fantastic. They're a triple A team regardless. You know, before that, it was the Dodgers with the 51s. And the Silver Knights do pretty well. And the Nighthawks, it's indoor football. Yeah. So, and, you know, this is all under the Golden Knights banner.
0: Yep. Golden
1: Knights are here. You know, I got some more info talking to the guys yesterday. And it's like, you know, the Brian guy, he kind of runs the stuff for the G League. But mostly everybody works for all the organizations. So Hmm. when they were in the finals, the Golden Knights, Brian was over there at T-Mobile working in the offices there. And they have a group of people and they all handle everything. You know, you work the Nighthawks, you work, they they even got a pro volleyball team. You know, I bust balls, bro. You're gonna not get FSW in there. I know we can outdraw a women's professional volleyball league. You know, unless un- unless your goal is to have to catch a predator people there, because you know there's gonna be a bunch of creepy Creepy guys in their fifties check the women's pro volleyball. Just saying.
0: So, so you, have, a ticket. so you have season tickets? That's what you're saying.
1: Uh, that that is highly offensive, Matt, and I'm taking offense. And I want to duly noted that I am protesting this <laughs> podcast episode. Um. Uh,
0: you know, you you you've never in a volleyball
1: to be honest with you. Like I didn't mind playing it, but yeah, it's it's that's hard <laughs> for me to believe a league, right? And, and withstand. Like I right. usually watching, like what was it, like Fox Sports West, and they would have on like the beach volleyball, right? Like, I assume that was a league. It was on. It's live sports. But who would think cornholing would be a big deal right. on ESPN? Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. And what I understand, live sports is one rare thing because nobody's watching a football game. Nobody's watching the Chief Bills game on Tuesday. Right. They're watching it live. So that's how the sponsors, you can't TiVo it, you can't DVR it. You have to watch live. So there's a premium on what I understand on live sports. Right. Because it's the one thing that you have to watch live. It's mind boggling to me now at 58. I remember it would be like, hey, it's Tuesday night. We got to watch Happy Days and Mork and Mindy. And you have to be home for that. And if you didn't, you couldn't watch it. Right. Unless it came on a repeat six months later. You know, we're we're talking. 1977, 1978, there was no way, you know. And then later on in the 80s, we were able to get the VHS stuff and things like that, right? But man, you had to watch everything immediately. Now it's like, who knows when these shows are on anymore? I go to Hulu, yeah, because Hulu the one that'll have the shows that are on during the week, Netflix, you're going to watch pretty much the entire shows, right? And the yeah. same thing. You know, but now they've gotten smart, the Amazons and the Paramounts and the Peacocks and the Disney's. Because, you know, I got I, I I stopped with cable and have every single streaming service available to human. use, Pretty much, you know, and it's like you're paying just as much, but you're kind of getting what you want out of the deal. Right. Because of cable, I still wouldn't have HBO Max and I wouldn't have Paramount and I wouldn't have Peacock and people I saw are going up in arms. It's like, oh, my God. The game's on Peacock. Oh, my God. I got to pay now. And it's like, I'm pretty sure that there's been a playoff game on ESPN. And you have to subscribe to ESPN. That's part of your cable package. Yep. I get Peacock with commercials for $1.99 a month because that was a special. It was either 10 bucks, No, nah, I wasn't paying 10 bucks For $1.99 a month, you get commercials. Okay. Well, you watch a movie. You got to watch three minutes of commercials. And then the movie's all the way through. Right. But. You get, for $1.99 a month, which is $20 for the year, or you could pay the $5.99, which is the regular price. Okay, let's just say 6 bucks a month. That's $72 for the year. But you're getting every WWE pay-per-view free of charge when you used to pay 50 bucks for it. Yep. Yeah. So streaming's the way to go. Oh, the Super Bowl? No, the Super Bowl makes too much money on regular TV and the contracts are in place. But at random, it's like, I couldn't watch certain games this year because I don't have the NFL network. Yeah. And then they have the Thursday game on Amazon. Well, I got Amazon. Years ago, I didn't. And I remember it like, oh, man, what the fuck? This game's on Amazon. And I'm like, wait a second. I can get Amazon. I'm really paying for Amazon Prime and free shipping and right. a free TV. Right. And Amazon has great shit on it. So you know that the greatest invention in the world is Amazon. Like oh okay, found that at that store there. Let me see what Amazon has it for, and it's usually cheaper.
0: And and that it all comes from a book, a book website. You know, right? Like who would have thought? Right. It, it's just it's mind boggling. You know, um, and and that uh, <laughs> that brings up a, a good point, uh, kind of. Uh, Evolution of things. Uh, you talked about Hammerstone. Hammerstone. And Josh Alexander had a match that was phenomenal story-wise. Um, you, you can't when you when you go back if you watch that match. It's a match that you can study in terms of reactions, uh, the give and take between the two of them. It was one of the best showings that I think Hammerstones you know probably had in his career um oh whoa no no whoa. just one of the best one of the best I'm not not the best but but it just it shows the evolution from where he started out to you know being able to walk onto uh, a pay-per-view stage um not being part of the company even and um that's just, the one yeah. thing i gotta
1: give uh impact credit for and okay hammerstone's a known guy you're not going to bring him in to do a squash match i get it but they're the one of the few companies you know wwe you're going to get a move and you're pretty much thumped a you might get a little more in aw dark but you're going to get dumped but i've talked about it before when Lacey ryan zoe stark got a championship match against Jordan Grace somebody nobody knows in the impact TNA universe and they have a back and forth match that goes 12 13 minutes where after you're watching you're like oh man that was a pretty good match and it also puts somebody on the map and when you're bringing people in how can you tell if they're any good if you don't give them anything right so if Jordan Grace comes in and beats Zoe Stark in four minutes or six minutes and you give her a little bit, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. It was fine. It was like, oh, shit, this is competitive. When Chris Bay got to work Daga and it went 13 minutes on a TV taping for a guy who's not signed to the company, and it wasn't like they signed him right after that. They signed him like six months later. Right. And, at- They just wanted to have a really good match. And, you know, when Chris Bay got signed, it was because of his spot on main event against, uh, Sean DeBari's brother, Aria. And guess what? You think that was a competitive 10 minute match? Fuck. No, it was pumping. Yeah. Chris Bay got a little something and boom, he goes over strong because he's the WWE guy. Right. And, and, You know, TNA, you know, I don't always give credit to everything on TNA because there's certain a lot of things that I think they could do better. But in that situation, they're very gracious on when they're bringing people in. You know, sure, you're not going to have Damian Drake and Dante King come in and get a bunch of offense in that situation. But – Bay's our champion, Zoe was our champion, so they were a little more protective. They were more protective of our champions than the local companies are of our my own champions. If they get booked on the show, sure, sure.
0: Um, yeah, it's 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 uh just something else to see that that opportunity and to see not only not only them given the opportunity, but then to see the performer shine. That's the other thing, you know, you have to deliver. And I think that's one of the biggest factors is that those people that you've mentioned, every single one of them has delivered in the matches, um, and, and made the other person look good, not only themselves, but the other person look good, which is their job. And I think that's, you know, very important. Um, you know, you talked about (laughs) Bay, Bay and, uh, in Austin uh Ace Austin uh that four way tag match that they had was it was crazy um it was a great match you had you had two of the best matches of the night back to back um with 2 FSW guys uh does that you know when you think about the the eyes watching whether it be fans or whether it be Production people, people who have pull in offices. Does that translate to you as something that, uh, again, hopefully gets eyes towards you guys? uh, You know, possibly, you know, gets someone interested who might be in, uh, you know, an AEW office or, you know, just just gives you more opportunities because these guys are, are delivering on, you know, big shows.
1: Well, yeah, this goes back to, say, global force wrestling, okay? When they brought in Cross, they wanted to use the local guy, and I formed a friendship with Sanjay Dutt, okay? So they needed guys, you know, I recommended things, And by the third show, you know, they were scarce on some things. And uh, I had pitched to them, to, to Sanjay, I sent like a YouTube thing of it, of the whirlwind gentleman. And, you know, Remy and Jack, they sent in a video, I guess, to Sanjay. But Sanjay probably got two million videos in the offices and didn't look at them. Right. And I'm like, hey, here's some guys, you know, you might be able to use, interested, whatever. You know, I already knew they put Kenny and and Jacob Austin Young got to be on the shows. So they were really influxing, you know, FSW town. And. I'm not sure if they worked uh, Gallows and Machine Gun or it may have been the Bollywood Boys. But they had used the scum were were main guys on there. So, but Sanjay's like, okay, send me some stuff over. And he immediately watches it. He's like, oh man, I love these guys, the pro, blah 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 blah. Yeah, we can use them. Gets in touch with them, and they utilize them on the show. Is it the greatest spot in the world? No, they they're pretty much you know going under, but they're getting the opportunity. And the reason that happens is because Sanjay trusts my opinion when I was pitching a hammerstone to him. And they got to see him, knew kind of knew of him. And wow, yeah, this guy's good. So Joe's not gonna send them a bunch of shit. So if they're looking for something and ain't like, hey Joe, uh, can you give me a list of guys? Which he kind of did. He was like, hey, we're looking for some talent, blah, blah, blah. I remember he, I remember sending him stuff for Ryan Taylor at the time. And it was like, you know, there was a bunch of different people that I would try to pitch to. And it's the same thing, you know, now. Like, when that opportunity occurs, uh, Conan had hit me up about wanting to use Santana Jackson. And then there was like, hey... You know, I know you use some of the women. Hey, you know, is and you know, and you know, is Moz. But hey, Brittany Brooks, she's 19. She's on a lot of radar. Here, here's some info on some of the younger talents. Because he did use Matt and Damian Drake in the Tijuana shows. So I have a pretty decent relationship with Conan. You know, anytime I need something, he doesn't answer. But anytime he needs something, he hits me right up. And that's how friendships are formed in the professional wrestling business, man.
0: <laughs> I think out of everything you've ever said doing this uh, podcast, you just said the absolute truth.
1: <laughs> but But it is. But the thing no. is, when you become a valuable commodity, then they go back to you. And then when you can ask for certain things... You know, it was like, hey, Sanjay hits me up. I haven't talked to him in a while. Hey, how you been? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, we're going to be in Vegas. Uh, So they needed to utilize the facility to go over some things before the pay-per-view. Sure, absolutely. We ran six shows. I was invited to go backstage with the kid, Pat. But we had just done the show at noon. It was like I went home and crashed. But I'm going to hit up Sanjay to make sure I'm back there. When they're here Super Bowl weekend, because I got a lot of, I wouldn't say friends, acquaintances that I haven't seen in a long time. You know, I remember when Shane Strickland got signed and it was like he came out of nowhere to be like, hey, I just want to thank you. You know, you're one of the few guys that gave me an opportunity on the West Coast because other than PWG, nobody was using Shane Strickland. So, you know, these guys remember The people along the way right now, you know, a Brian cage price wise is still too high for me, but they'll do certain things and they're helpful. And, 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 you know, I love Brian, but you know, it is business and I, and I totally understand and they totally understand. It's like, Hey, if they can do it for the number that I'm pitching, then we can get things done. And sometimes they can, and sometimes we make things work because, you know, we had a great match with Hammerstone and Brian cage uh at the anniversary show or whatever it was. And then we did another match uh at the Mecca where it ended up being TJ cage and Hammerstone. So, you know, all these guys are in the mix. It's like TNA in 1999, when I did Vegas extreme through my buddy Pete <clears throat> with the Chicago connection, a steel came in and he wrestled uh, Bison Smith, who was a pro wrestling Iron Modest guy. Yeah. And, and Pete was like, "Oh, Ace said he'll come in from Chicago. You know, he really, you know, he really likes Bison. He wants to put him over." Well, I didn't know the full story until last Sunday. There's Ace, and I've seen him a couple times in Santa Lou when he's because he used to go to the CAC all the time. But he's now an agent, which I didn't know. I'm like, oh, shit. Hey, what's up, man? How you been? And we start talking. And then he really told me the story. And Ace Steele got into pro wrestling Noah because he got booked for an iron show against Bison Smith. And he goes, Bison was so gracious because Bison was six foot three, six foot four, a fucking monster. And Ace was a smaller guy. He goes, he made me look like a million bucks. And Iron had a relationship with Noah, so Marafuji or whoever it was, some of the big-name Japanese guys were at that show. And they saw Ace, and that's how Ace got to tour Japan because Bison Smith made him look like a million bucks. So when we were doing something in Vegas and he knew Bison was there because my friend Pete told him, he flew himself in from Chicago. We had no budget. We weren't flying people in. We were trying to do some TV tapings to get a show. And, And, you know... And we look back, he was like shocked. He's like, oh shit, you got the fucking footage of that? I'm like, yeah, it's on VHS. I got it somewhere in my garage. But at the time, Snooker Jr. trained with Rush who had the school out here. So Snooker Jr. was on the show and Superfly would be around because Superfly moved to town. And we used from Cal- uh, Arizona, Navajo Warrior who still works with the WWE. And that's how we had GQ Gallo and Derek Nykirk. We knew because Jack Slammy knew him from HWA with Tim Tim uh, Les Thatcher. Yep. And when he got released by Developmental, Nykirk went to Phoenix. When he went to Phoenix, he had nowhere to go. He didn't know anybody. So when he hit me up, I'm like, yeah, go see Navajo Warrior. So he goes sees see Navajo Warrior, walks into training. And who's there? Mike Knox. Mike Knox becomes his best friend. And, and they wrestle on the show because Mike Knox wrestled on the show. And all these guys from Vegas Extreme, even the Riggs brothers who was Dylan Klein and they got a WWE contract and all these guys were part of Vegas Extreme in 1999 when we tried to do some shit. And it's like it's a crazy small world because, you know, 23, 24 years later, there's a steal in the whole incident with CM Punk and now he's working at TNA. Yeah. yeah. And like the conversations pick up like we did the show six months ago. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy the bond that's formed. And when you form that bond as a young wrestler, you know, that opportunity comes. I always said the first uh, seminar we ever did was UG, and we had Dinsmore came out. He happened to hit me up because his wife was working at the Dollar Loan Center, the actual Dollar Loan Center where you get the money, get the <laughs> spokesperson for that, and the dollar at, for, in uh, where OVW was. Right. And they had one out there. So they were having their corporate event in Vegas. So he hits me up, and he's like, hey, I'm going to be in town, and we work out a great deal. He's going to wrestle on the show. He's going to do a seminar, and he's going to do a, a signing with Scott at the mall. And it was like, you know, we had a good turnout for the seminar. He, he did good business. We later brought him back. And he wrestled Alcatraz at the first Samstown event we ever did. Okay. Well, when we did that, we had another seminar, which was probably a year later or whatever. And it was like one person showed up as if Eugene explained and taught everything he could. And at that time, the seminar was probably 20 bucks, 25 bucks. And, like, nobody showed up it was like, well, I went to the last one. And it was like, yeah, because he gave you all his knowledge in two hours. <laughs> Needless to say, after that seminar, within six months, he became one of the main trainers for WWE and the developmental. And it was like, well, see, now you guys would have had an in because a year and a half ago, he doesn't really remember you guys, but it's like, wow, if you went to a couple of the seminars and you're good enough, he ain't getting you signed but he may be able to get somebody to look at something of yours. Right. And that's what making that connection means the 30 or 40 bucks or 25 bucks. Like Gabe comes out and after the fact, you see he's charging at all these places. Yeah. FSW reality of wrestling with Booker. It's free because he's seen People come out of there. So he's looking for talent. So he's going to be there for a special training session. And we had a good turnout. But again, there was a ton of people that were actually on the main roster that weren't even there. Like, at worst, you know, he offered extra work. guy like Primo Henio happened to be on the show that he saw, and he got extra work. And OASIS. And ice and and all these guys that he liked and sent out stuff for, and it's like, you know, it, it shows me a lot when something is offered to you and you don't take advantage. And yeah, then we can use excuse. Well, you know, you don't have enough money to cover it. Blah, blah blah. But what about when it's free and you don't take advantage of a WWE representative our school to watch training for three hours? And you can't make it in that day.
0: Yeah. And it's funny. You mentioned Navajo. And Sapolsky is actually going to be in Arizona. Uh, Navajo just posted this, I think, like a day or oh, so. Oh, for the now. IZW show? Yeah. And it's going to be like a $99 buck, uh, seminar. So, and that's
1: Navajo who basically sends all the guys for the uh, the motion capture for all the video games. You know how much work a lot of our guys have gotten and that's how people knew people. Cause that's how Sanjay knew of us because Tyshawn went there and Ricker was there and now Bay's there and cross was there and all these guys and Lance Hoyt was there. And that's how he knew Tyshawn. Like I didn't understand how these people knew each other all through a lot of the mocap stuff. Yeah. You know, and Damien Drake did it and Kenny King did it for years and, Those guys pay way more than anybody's going rate. So if you can get in on the motion capture stuff, and it's every month. Trey McGill missed our Revolver FSW show because uh, there was a flight delay coming out of because it's in, like, San Francisco. And they use so many guys who supplement their income from doing the mocap stuff. TJP, you know, there's so many FSW guys. Because of connections, have gotten these opportunities. Limelight. I think he had COVID and he fucked everybody up. Because I think he and I think Damian Drake they were there and they had to drive home because they couldn't take a flight because they were exposed to the COVID and they had to to car and drive and not do the mocap that month because I think it was Limelight had COVID, syphilis
0: I could see but COVID, fuck. (laughs) um you know uh bringing up limelight um you have uh a big show coming up here uh big huge it's a casino
1: show inside the fsw arena uh
0: what is it now just two weeks away right is that uh nine days nine days jesus wow well this month went by fast uh yeah a lot of shit going on. The next one's going to be no different. AEW, Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing, too, how uh, the first quarter of the year has become very, very, uh, you know, busy for Vegas wrestling. Um, yeah,
1: WWE was here at the December 30th. We had the New Year's show. You know, I'm getting a shout-out from LA Night. So it's been a good month, except the yeah. venue. You know, I, I met with the other place and they wanted an absorbent amount of money. Yeah. They wanted twice what fucking Samstown wanted, and I'll be happy to say it was the M Pavilion. And I guess now I know why I didn't even know they had a pavilion. Right? They, they priced themselves out. They're just looking to do corporate events. They want big money or they ain't doing anything. So it's really limiting us. And it's it's really disappointing that it's a struggle. You know, we have everything set up for no escape. And on the 28th, we're really finalizing that. So we need to get that show somewhere.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you can only prolong steel cage match feuds that you got going on for so long.
0: You, you might have to end up st- setting up the uh, steel cage uh, in the parking lot.
1: Well, we could do it in the FSW arena. The only issue is we can't set it up during the show like we do, right. Nathan, which right. now makes no escape, basically lockdown. And every match is a steel cage match, which okay. to me is burnout. You yeah. know, it's like, okay, so what do we got? Well, we got one match. uh Let's do an escape the cage match. Well, how does that really work? Right. Whoever's the last guy in the ring wins? No. Like, how do you win that match? Then it's like, okay, you got your championship match. And then you got the other championship match. Like, we did a weapons match when we did Van de Griffin, Damian Drake. We right. did A and we did uh, Ice Williams for the no limits kept people out. But some was pinfall. Some's escaped the cage. You know, you can hang something from there. But once you get past four or five, I guess we could do a five-match card. But, you know, there's there's matches that aren't ready to be settled inside a steel cage. And as I said, it kind of takes away from the whole concept. Like I like in my mind, oh that's cool, TNA lockdown, but it was like it, who it, was it, anything other than uh was it Jeff Hardy or Homicide that basically was climbing all over the cage and it was like a really weird situation? Yeah. It was, it was, homicide. I, I,
0: was it homicide? I think it was homicide. It, yeah, it's I mean it's been years, but
1: right, but it, it was just this yeah. weird fucking thing. You yeah. know? So it's like so initially we did the tag team eliminator matches and that left us with three winners and West coast Crew. So at no escape, we were going to have a four way match with them. Right. So this is not no escape. And we have the West coast wrecking crew. 1% Royce and Jarrell luck of the draw. They will now wrestle the regulators. And now we'll do another eliminator match, which is sky high versus the billionaire boys club. So the winner of that match will wrestle the winner of the championship match. Right. And that'll get down to two. So if we do it at no escape, it may not be in the cage, obviously, but it'll still be a tag team title match. Right. At show. So we have that match set. You know, uh Viva's back. We got the same four that were supposed to wrestle in a four way for the title at Luck of the Draw. We're nine days away. There was a lot of things said, and and Moz called out Viva, and Viva got stuck in a freak fucking dust storm, and you know Moz was calling out her professionalism, and they attacked Brittany Brooks. I'm kind of leaning toward doing a tag match with Maz and Rochelle versus Brittany and Viva, and yeah. then break off to that to then have a, uh, a title match which would still be at no escape. Right. So you got that. You know, Shogun's going to be there. Hero's going to be there. Uh, Gregory Sharp pinned Bodie at the the, the scramble 30-minute match last fall wins and Bodie's right. back the belt by pinning uh, I believe Fox in the last five seconds or whatever it was. So there's going to be something going on with them. You know, Hammerstone and Limelight. You know, we got the Wall of Fame ceremony. I actually got a message from Graves who wants to be a part of it. That's his boy. And who am I to say no to Graves? So I guess that's good news for Hammerstone because while he's accepting his award, it's going to be hard for Limelight to jump him when Graves is right there. I wouldn't put it past Danny Limelight who already seems to be like, huh, sure, Hammer. Everything you are looking to do, I've already done. So where's my banner? And it's like, well, Hammer's been with us for 10 years and you've been with us for far less. And Hammer was getting nothing when we first used him. So he, he's our guy. So whatever, so...
0: But that also brings up a, a, a great, uh, a great thing about Danny as well, and that is, as you know, as Hammerstone has a Graves in his corner, you know, Danny's got at least one, two, three, maybe four different people in the bodega that could always show up and level out Graves.
1: Well, that that that, that is definitely something, and. You know, it is very interesting to see, you know, uh, Danny hasn't, you know, let me know like, hey, I'm going to have a couple of uh, my boys are going to, you know, head on up. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, those are all possibilities. Uh, One match that we were going to have a no escape or scheduling uh, Kenny King and Clutch and, you know, Clutch, you know, counts Kenny King as one of his trainers, and you know, Felt Kenny turned his back, joined the faction, cost Bodhi the No Limits title. You know, a guy he looked at as as a mentor. And you know, we've seen that slimy side of Kenny King before. You know, it's the Bachelorette. You know, and it, it's interesting to see that that match is is finally going to happen. You know, Clutch pitched Kenny out of the Rumble. Yeah, same thing. Hammerstone pitched limelight out of the rumble and they were down to the final three, three, I believe. And limelight snaked himself in. So where maybe limelight had issues with hammerstone and hammerstone didn't pay much attention to limelight. Now he's on their radar, you know, he could, that could have been the first four time FSW heavyweight champion. Yeah. And so we got that. So we have builds up to a lot of things. So whether it's Viva and, and Maz and her crew or Brittany Brooks, who's who's right there, who defeated Rochelle at there, every champion will be in town. Every champion will be in action. And now we're going to see where it's going to lead to. And, you know, so right there, you also got the issues with the Nevada state title. And uh, Jacob Boston young, And Bateman and Laz on that side. And and Cody's come to the defense of uh, his his old partner. So, you know, last time we saw Bateman and and Jake, uh, and it looked like they were going to try to lay out Jacob Austin Young again. Cody got in Bateman's face, and he kind of peeled out. So it seems like wherever Bateman and Laz are, you know, Cody's going to be close behind Because I believe he did commentary for that match okay. you know, That's his boy You know, they, they've they been champions They were champions for a long time And they were in the following And they, you know Had their ups and their downs Before the following There was, you know, a fireball That got the whole thing started So, you know, they've had A very uh, Up and down relationship, we can say okay. And then you, you,
0: up missed, the you, missed, lost. you missed uh, the opportunity to say they've had a fiery relationship.
1: Yes, a fiery one. Man. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, so you, and then we uh, just, I believe, I got to get confirmation, but because some of the multi-mans out of it and everything, the card for No Escape was set, but now that it's different. Uh, the MK Army, who looked very impressive, Duke and Koa. They're going to have a tag team match against the Poe Boys, Jimmy Jack and Chase Bell. So these are two teams on the rise. <clears throat> and it's going to be interesting to see. You know, the Poe Boys had a great back and forth with Sky High. Now they're looking to, to get back in the mix. So, you know, we got some tag teams here in FSW again. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, seeing, uh, you know, <gasps> duke and koa uh that's you know that's one of those tag teams that i i miss i miss the tag teams where he had the the two just monster guys
1: man duke I, I always knew he was big you know but man like i'm looking at this guy I'm like man this is one big motherfucker yeah like who's taking this guy off his feet yeah you know, Sorry. Shogun has yeah. to deal with Hero. That's tough enough. But now you got Duke and Koa there. It's like, you know, thankfully for Shogun, he had Bay uh, for backup. But, you know, we know Chris Bay. He's all over the world. So right. he he's always going to be there for Shogun. You know, maybe he better find, you know, uh, maybe he better find some friends. You know, maybe Bodhi could take out Duke for him or something. I don't know.
0: Uh, there's, there's your next... Uh... Championship match for Bodhi there. Man. You know, Duke Kobe.
1: really reminds me of a Tyshawn Prince. Sure. When we got Tyshawn. Very raw. Very big. And it's just trying to mold him. Yep. You know, my issues with Duke was when I first had him and I saw him was like, man, we need to get you into training. Like, I've seen your progression. I've seen some of your matches. And I just felt the same exact way with Tyshawn when he worked at the other Place. Was they didn't utilize his strengths. Sure. And strengths are size. You right. cannot. There's nothing you can coach about a guy being six foot five, three hundred and fifty pounds. You know. Yep. Yep. And I remember, and it's like with Tyshawn, like he would be training in a class that had that guy like Thomas day, but they would all be taught the same style. Yep. And it's like, okay, well, he's not going to be doing a bunch of arm dress. It's like, where, where's the, where's the place where it's having him work on the power moves and using his size. And it's like, it's a one-stop shop training facility. Same. Right. Everybody okay. goes in. It doesn't matter who you are. 110-pound girl, 350-pound guy, right. the same exact way. Well, yeah, you have to learn the basics, but then you have to step aside and be taught certain things. A seven-foot or six-foot-six guy is going to have a way different philosophy, yep. and it takes a lot more to knock him off his feet than it is the 150-pound wrestler. Yep. And I don't think they said... I, you know, I think each individual. Obviously, when you're in a, in a class, you're going to be trained and you're going to do certain things, but there's you, there, there's things to work on, right? For people of different sizes, you know, well, and it's but, like,
0: but that's you know that's the whole thing, uh, you know, your the trainers that you have at the school now, uh, reminds me a lot of what we had at UPW, and that is. Guys who engage the students in learning about the psychology behind telling the story. And, you know, uh, a guy like Duke uh, reminds me a lot of uh, Curtis Hughes, right? Mr. Hughes, just this big guy, you know, and when you can utilize the strengths of what you have and still be able to understand why you why you give certain things to a smaller guy the moments to do it the reason to do it the, you know I think that's the, the thing that gets lost is yeah you, you know everyone learns the same basics but now you have to find why your character why your brand why you have these certain things that you can utilize in telling these stories that makes a match more unique um, you know uh, in all honesty let's face it a match between Duke and Bodie should not realistically you know it sh- it should be Bodie gets destroyed because the guy's huge. But
1: you know, I, was having, I was having a conversation, okay uh, with someone. and at that point we were talking about some things with uh, intergender matches. And I remember uh, one of our women wrestlers and she was wrestling, uh, Tito Escondido. And watched the match. I really didn't have a problem with the match, but I had a problem with one thing and she kind of took offense to it. And it was like, well, I didn't come up with it. I'm like, okay, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm like, realistically, we're supposed to watch a match and believe that it can happen. I said when WWF had China versus Jericho, you could say whatever you want about the way it was situated but most people believed that China was a bad motherfucker, and she could kick the shit at a lot of guys. Right. She was in a believable situation, but they wouldn't have put Tristratus in that position because it wouldn't be believed. So right. my 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 questioning was, it's bad dude Tito. He's called a bad fucking dude. He's two hundred and sixty pound big motherfucker. Now, he's throwing a forearm. Boom! You get hit. You're a 110-pound girl. What do you do? You go back, and you hit him with a forearm. And then he hits you with a forearm. And then you hit him with a forearm. And it's like, so, I'm watching this, and you're going blow for blow with a guy who's 130 pounds more than you. Yep. And... It's not realistic. And it's like, my job, like our trainer's job, is to tell you when you're going over matches. But because people tell somebody it's really great and your friends are going to tell you it's the best thing ever, it's like, you shouldn't be taking offense to it. You should be soaking it in and then saying, hey, you know what, that's right. You may not agree with me, but how can you not? Like, we're trying to make people... Watch that and believe that it's possible. And, like, I, and, one time yeah. I was watching uh, PWG, and they had Candace LeRae versus Rich Swan. Sure. It was a similar situation, okay? And it was like, but Rich Swan's 160 pounds, and Candace is 120 pounds. So it ain't the biggest difference. But he's throwing shots, and it's kind of no-sell, whatever. And – the finish was, if you know Rich Swan, he, he does the bounce into the 450. Right. So he bounce, bounce, into the 450. She rolls him up, small package, one, two, three. I'm like, that's the greatest fucking finish I ever saw. Yep, Because yep. it played into it. And it was like, I might not have liked other stuff that I'm going to critique in that match. But I thought to have Candace win, which that was what they were doing, that the finish they came up with was fucking fantastic. Yep. And it's like, you have to make it make sense. So, generally in wrestling, you're going to have these big monster heels that they have to cheat and do all this other stuff. But if they're wrestling these baby face undersized guys, it's got to be moving fast, you know all this crazy shit to give them that opportunity to believe it. So we had a match when hero and Shogun were our tag team champions. Okay. Now they're wrestling the Suavecitos. Problem is the Suavecitos are the undersized team that are heels. Right. And Shogun and hero are the monsters, but they're baby faces. So the dynamic to make that work, Really difficult. So it's gotta be more like slimy, you know, wormy shit.
0: It's gotta be chicken shit heel stuff.
1: Yep. And and that's not what happened in the match. And it's like, guys, you know, this is not making sense. Like after the match, it made the suavecitos look like shit because there was only so much they could do. It was like the one big move they had, they countered hero into a double spear, I remember. And it was like, okay, that's cool. And they go for a cover, one, boom. And he knocks them both off. And I was like, that was your hope. Come back as number one contenders. So being that you guys are half the size of them, there has to be a sequence where double teams are happening. The guy tries to come in and it just didn't work that way. And sometimes you overthink it or sometimes you don't think about it enough. Right. And, and again, it needs to make sense because if you look at it, first off, the baby face champions who, you know, beat Toa and Juicy, a lot of love. People love Hero. People love Shogun. They right. hate the They see the size difference. Oh, they're going to murder these motherfuckers. Well, now we have to turn the tables to be like, these slimy fucks, they might win this match. Right. And and that was the problem I had that, that that was never in danger. Like it was never like, because especially with the baby faces, you always want to believe they're in peril. You always want to believe that, that chicken should heal that slimy heal, that dastardly heal. They might be able to shock the world, even though they don't have a chance or when, Kevin Koa is wrestling Shogun. That because of MK and because of maybe interference or whatever it is, because a lot of people think Hero, yeah, maybe Hero can beat, especially with the help of MK. But man, Koa ain't going to be able to beat him. But if you make them believe it, now you got something there. Yep. Like the whole buildup. Like, I think some people believed that Jinder Mahal who hadn't had a fucking match or a win, but they built it up, thanks to AEW, by the way, like AEW for making people give a shit, like, Ginger's a big motherfucker. Like, yep. why can't something happen that Seth Rollins ends up losing? You know, it turned out he kind of got banged up. Well, yep. we've seen it before in wrestling. Oh, Seth Rollins has to get surgery, but we're going to let him do this match, and then he's going to lose, shock the world. Oh, and then they announced that like, Mysterio, oh, he's going to be out because he's hurt. But he still did the match and got his ass beat because you're playing it into a storyline, you know? And people kind of believe, even though it's like, well, it's going to be Cody. Oh, no, now it's going to be CM Punk. Holy shit, how crazy would it be that Jinder Mahal is going to beat fucking Seth Rollins? Well, people are watching, thinking in the back of their mind, it's possible. Huh? And there's nothing worse going into a WWE show and watching people are like, oh, a, a, a four-way match would rain. Right. Like, okay, well, every singles match is the same. The Usos, whoever's involved, solo, they're going to come in. It's going to be close, but Roman Reigns is going to win. It's the same fucking formula. Now it's a four-way, well, maybe... Holy shit, what if L.A. Knight ends up pinning fucking Randy Orton? Exactly. This is the title. It's something that's totally different. It hasn't happened. They've never done a title defense that way. Right. So, (laughs) again, do I think Roman Reigns is going to lose? No. But after WrestleMania, everybody swore Cody Rhodes was going to beat him next year. And it's like, a year's passed. It's kind of cooled. Oh, shit, CM Punk's back. Right. Going to happen? I don't know.
0: And you and still... don't
1: know because we don't know because it seemed weird like, man, Cody's just walking in and he's going to beat Roman Reigns. You know, you can go bet online and Cody Rhodes was a big favorite to yep. beat Roman Reigns. Yeah. Just like Lesnar was a big underdog against The Undertaker. You can made a lot of money on that. And... It's not always going to be cut and dry. Like, wow. Of all people, Vince McMahon after Cody did what he did, he's going to let him walk in and then in WrestleMania just come in. and it's like, okay, well now we got the story. But now that story's clouded. You got Drew McIntyre who's in the way and obviously they didn't put the belt on him, which I thought they could have uh, with Seth Rollins, yep. you know. But Bobby Lashley's kind of Wow, he's with the Street Profits, but he's become a mid-card act. Right. But Punk's hot as fire. So, you know, and it seems like they're making Punk, you know, maybe he goes after Rollins, and that's the main events of Mania, Punk Rollins and, and Cody Reigns. But they've done nothing with Cody and Reigns. We're now in the middle of January. Right. We're only a couple months away.
0: And and they might have to pivot because of Seth, and you might see possibly Cody versus Punk, and then The Rock versus Reigns. Right,
1: because now you got The
0: Rock in the mix. I mean, who who loses? Like, I mean, like, in what right? I forgot about or- that.
1: It's like Cody, even if they wanted to win the belt at WrestleMania. Are they going to have Reigns wrestle the Rock Night 1 and beat him and then lose to, to Rhodes on Night 2? It right. seems like, oh, that'd be pretty deflating. To me, the main event of Night 2 has to be Roman Reigns and the Rock. Has right. to be. Because that is the marquee matchup of anything that's going out there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I don't think the buildup of, of Cody and Reigns is even, yeah, I guess you can kind of turn it on. But it, and I guess, the rumble decides it,
0: right? Well, that's and and that because again,
1: how, how does because they have the the rumble? Okay, so the right. winner gets to pick who he wants to go against. So CM right. can easily win the rumble and then say he's going after Seth. Then they do the Elimination Chamber, which is now in February. Right. Well, usually the Elimination Chamber, the winner goes after the other champion. Sometimes the actual champions in that match, right. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but if the rock is going after Reigns, then punk would have to win to go after Rollins. And then the elimination chamber is just a match where five guys are in it. And Reigns has to now win the elimination chamber. And then he wrestles the rock. Right. And you know the Rock is claiming he's coming back, and you if because they they, they they kind of blew off like he's not going to go fucking wrestle Roman Reigns in Australia at some random pay per view. It's like it's WrestleMania. Yeah, they put all the eggs in the basket for that one. Like i even heard of Steve Austin and somebody I forgot who it was.
0: L, L. A. Night in Austin. L A. Night. Has been rumored for now a year, you know, going back to last year. You yeah. know, it's no different Rich- than Austin
1: and Owens. Big deal. Austin wins. You know, well, Austin, Austin
0: ain't jobbing to nobody. See, and that's the interesting thing because, I mean, there's an opportunity there to to give uh, Ricker that rub, but, I, you know, Steve, yeah, <laughs> Steve ain't going to do that. Why would you do that? No. Nah. You know, Now, Cena would do it.
1: I I saw something interesting on Facebook yesterday, and it was actually funny, that basically Solo Soko has lost every single match he's had in a singles match. Since he beat John Cena, Cena. it would be the big takeoff. Boom! But because of the situation and the popularity, uh, and they don't want LA Knight to lose, and they're not having Randy Orton, you lose. So now those guys are just beating Solo Sokoa up everywhere. Right. So beating John Cena literally did absolutely nothing for him.
0: Which in the in the WWE structure, though, it's exactly how it should be for when Sepha then takes the next step. You know? Because they, they always – you're here – then you cut down, and then it it usually takes about a year or two years. and now you're the you're the one holding the belt. And I Let think me tell that- you something
1: if l a Knight wants to know where his trajectory is going, tell him to go ask Sammy Zane.
0: Yeah. That's a great point,
1: you know, Sammy Zane, being off TV might be the best thing for him. Because he was in limbo. And there's nothing worse than WWE limbo when you're a when you're a mean guy. Because what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you doing with LA Knight? If you're not gonna have him beat Roman Reigns for the title, which we know he's not, now he's just kind of hovering until there's that new flavor of the month that's gonna be the heel guy that's gonna have to go after a Cody Rhodes, which could be Solo Sokoa at the time, you know, if, if you're going to make somebody maybe become the head of the table and now you want to rebuild Seffa and right. now he's going to have to beat the Randy Orton's in the LA Knights. Right. And it, it's kind of like, well, what happened with Zane? Right. Oh, well, Drew McIntyre had to beat him because they were putting him in that position. And right. now within six months, Sammy Zane because he's not perceived as that guy as hot as he was. Boom. We gave him the match. Came close, but he lost. Boom! Wow! They give him an LA Knight the match in Saudi Arabia. Crazy! And they saw he's still popular, but now he's going to be utilized in a different position because there's no way LA Knight's getting a title over CM Punk or
0: Cody Rhodes or Randy
1: Orton, for that matter.
0: I think Orton. argu- arguably I Orton's the the one guy that I think the title doesn't matter because...
1: It doesn't matter, but it's probably something in there. It was like, oh, I can't believe they put wasting fucking Orton in a four-way. And it was like, so, genius. Orton doesn't get pinned, so now they still can do Reigns and Orton. And now yep. they got two pay-per-views with Orton in the match. And it can look like Orton has the match won and something fucking happens. And now you sell a major pay-per-view Yep, with Orton and Reigns in it. Could be the elimination chamber for all we know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it, it, you know, it is what it is. It's it's pecking orders. You know, go go back to 1990 wrestling and see guys like Ted DiBiase, uh, Jake the Snake, all these guys who never became the champions. Like, how in any world with the storylines about the Million Dollar Man? That he never get the title. <laughs> it's mind boggling to
0: me. And the and the only and the 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 thing about that too is the only reason he even touched the title is because he bought a uh, a plastic surgery job to make a referee look like a referee and have Andre win and then hand him the title. Man, like, that
1: was like the greatest storyline ever, but they should have had Teddy DiBiase in the Andre role, and that's how Teddy DiBiase won the title. Right. You can, because I know you had to somehow figure out a way to vanquish Hogan without him really losing. Well, that would have been the perfect way, because I thought that I was like, holy shit, twin fucking referees, this is awesome.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and a Jake the Snake, a Rick Rude, you know – like, I knew back in the day, like, it was it was weird to me because, like, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was the intercontinental B guy. When he went to WCW and became the heavyweight champion, to me it was like, oh, he's like a second-class citizen because Hulk Hogan, he was never in his league in WWF. Right. And that's how the perception was perceived. And I also read something about Hogan that, you know, of course, he's taking credit for the Randy Macho Man Savage reigns, And it was like, well, because I knew – we knew Randy would do business. If we put it on Piper or Orndorff, they wouldn't job. And it's like, okay. Like Orndorff didn't job to fucking Hogan enough times, but yeah. it's like, you should have did the job to Savage once. Like Hogan never oh, job did. Savage. Nope. I remember a high heel shoe from Elizabeth. When Arn Anderson pinned Hulk Hogan. Right. The macho man who was as, close to an equal of Hogan, he'd win the title in a vacant thing, in a rumble, in a tournament in Atlantic City, because Hogan had to do the double count out with Andre. Like, he would never put that guy over. Yep. And there's so many people that weren't champions back in the day yep. compared to now where, like, oh shit, Jinder Mahal, he was a heavyweight champion. The great Kali was a heavyweight champion. Yeah. You know, yeah. guys you would never perceive, like people believing that a Sami Zayn could be the heavyweight champion.
0: Yeah.
1: That would have never existed in 1992. Like, Bret Hart was a shock. Right. Absolutely. Bret Hart was intercontinental, tag team considered one of the best, great wrestler. But him even winning was shocking. because that. Perception of the type of wrestler that was going to be a champion and, and the champion to carry the company right yeah
0: well uh there we go we're gonna wrap up right now guys uh thank you very much for tuning in uh we will uh talk a little bit more because uh next week about uh the big show uh and and get some uh final thoughts about what might happen at the new year's resolution so uh and again you can tune into that on fight tv so if you're it's not now
1: trailer tv my friend
0: yeah trailer tv um I, it will always be a fight i'm sorry i <laughs> i change is not good so but everyone thank you for tuning in and uh we'll see you guys next week.